Hey, you're listening to a sermon from Ketchikan Church of the Nazarene. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about our church, you can visit ktnnaz.org, visit us on Facebook, just search Ketchikan Naz, or you can download our free app from the iPhone store or the Google Play store, just search Ketchikan Naz. Thanks for visiting. Hope the Word of God speaks to you today. And we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. Nancy, you want to come up and join me? Had to mark with tape where these go. Craig couldn't be here today. Um, I'm not quite sure what happened with his boat, but something happened, and he texted me during worship practice, and uh, he said he wasn't going to be able to get over. So we would have had three of us talking, and then his two kids would have been down in Children's Church. Um, So you're just going to have to deal with the two of us and our stories. Um, And we wanted to share with you a little bit about our experiences in uh, in Nicaragua and um, and maybe some stories and some faces that go with it. Uh, Corey, do you want to flip the red dot for me? Thank you. Um, So just so that you all are aware, this is our entire team that went, um, representing five churches from the District of Alaska. Um, Let's see. There's Craig and Lily and Caleb giving rabbit ears to our guide's wife, that's Anthony's wife, and uh, there's Nancy, nice. uh, with her tongue out, and me with my tongue out. Um, and uh, we have a special guest to uh, this particular day, this man right here, Kenton Lee, is the man who invented the shoe that grows. And so he flew down for one day to join us uh, to pass out some shoes. It was a great honor to get to meet him and to learn from him and uh, get to hear about the, the shoe that grows a little bit. So. Uh, we lost our minds at some point midway through the, <laughs> through the trip, and so that's kind of the, the, the picture that we had there. So what we'll do is we'll kind of show you some pictures and share some stories that go with it and some thoughts that we had, and if we get lost, I've got questions uh, that we can follow along with. So um, this is, we'll start with Tisma. Is that okay with you? Yeah, okay. okay. So Tisma is the first place that we went. We stayed a week in Tisma, and these were the kids that were there when we showed up. Um, they heard that white folks were coming and, uh, and they wanted to look at us. And so um, they showed up and they just uh, stood there and stared at us while we took pictures of all their cute faces. Um, Nancy, let me ask a question. What was um, in Tisma? What was one of the most significant moments for you? You know, they're not on this picture, but um, for me, it was watching the volunteers and it was. Two little boys, I don't know, oh, there's, there, there's that's, that's Mel, that's one of the boys, yeah. Um, the little boy in the blue shirt, he worked, he volunteered to be there. And he wasn't he, part of the church, was no, he? No, he wasn't part of the church. And he came day after day after day to work beside the men. And this kid, what was he, 10, 11 Maybe, years old? Yeah. I mean, he poured concrete, he hauled it, he, his heart, was into building this. Right. And for me, just watching, um, and the way the men honored him, letting him work side by side right. with him. He was an equal. Yeah, he yeah. was an equal. Um, and, and you should know, these stones right here are about 100 pounds. Um, and I don't think he lifted them, but he was cementing in between. He was going back and uh, troweling off the cement. Um, he knew more about building than I did. Oh, and uh, I learned a lot from him, actually, uh, and some of the other boys there. Um, oh, we went one step too far. Okay, this uh, this is Pastor Misael. 
Uh, he's the pastor at Tisman Church of the Nazarene. These are three of his four children. The other one, uh, little Isana, we'll see a picture up later. She was napping at the time, and we didn't uh, interrupt that. So um, this is the pastoral family minus one, uh, standing in front of their future home. These are the, the walls off in the corner and the rebar going up. Um, and he's 33 years old and uh, just a great guy. Um, just completely humble, wonderful man. Uh, and that rebar, if I can interrupt, yeah. we made that. I'll show that later. Oh, you got that on there? Okay. We'll be proud of that. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that because that was a unique experience. Um, and uh, I'll share a little bit just uh, just a moment. Why we're building them a parsonage uh, is because off to this side where you can't see is a Sunday school building. Um, big, I mean, their room was maybe what? From here over? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so their whole family, six of them, um, lived in a space about the size of this side of the stage. Um, and, uh, and that doubled as their Sunday school classroom area. And uh, they showered on the porch with some uh, cloth hung up. Um, and that is where they're living, in, and they've been there for three or four years. Yeah. And, uh, and they will continue to be there until the parsonage is completed and they can move in. Um, and yet, you want to know what I never heard? This is uncomfortable. Yeah. Never. Um, his spirit of giving and serving and sacrifice to lead the church was, uh, yeah, uh, to say the least. So uh, that's the pastor. Um, and he can do everything in terms of building. Uh, yeah. So, um, uh, let's see. Okay, these are two of our team members uh, from up north there carrying 100-pound blocks that were stacked far away, and they were carrying them over to the build site. Um, there's Craig and Liliana. Caleb's standing there directing traffic. Um, he took the manager position. Uh, carrying those bricks in so they could be stacked up and, and built. Here's some rebar, oh, yeah. kind of a shot through, um, and you can see the interior of the parsonage, just uh, a dirt floor. There's a tree growing up in the middle of it. Uh, they're going to have to take that down eventually, I think. Um, and uh, chickens inside the parsonage. Um, and uh, I don't know if they were going to eat that guy or not later on, but uh, <laughs> uh, here we go, rebar building. Um, so uh, I'll let you describe it. Well, what they did was they gave us, they had wire, big, I don't know, that big wire, yeah, but they bundles. had a bunch of bundles, bundles yeah. that had a lot of metal wires in it, and so they cut it off, and then we took that and tied it. Hand tied. Hand tied. Um, and even the squares, I don't know if you can see them quite so well. Oh, you have one. I do. I have one, because I'm going to talk you about these. You want to talk about that one? Well, I've got, I've got, it for, I've got a video of it later. Uh -huh. uh, but. We'd, basically, we'd make these. Everything had to be made from scratch. You couldn't go to the hardware store and buy. So they sent you straight metal, and you had to find ways to bend it and make your own tools to do that. And so you'd make, so how many went down a set of rebar? like 70 something? 70, yeah. 70 something of these, handmade, would go down lengths of rebar, one in each corner, and then you'd hand tie it with this skinny little wire. Um, and you'd do that over and over and over again. And they said bring gloves, but. The gloves didn't work. No. I mean, the gloves I wore. So, you know, at the end of the day, you had cuts. Yeah. Cuts, and your fingers were sore and numb from just tying, tying, tying. Right. Um, so we worked a lot on rebar. In 90-degree weather. In the shade. Sweaty. Still sweating. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, uh, the heat was something else. Um, here we are. Uh, we're laying more rebar. Um, uh, this is John. He's one of the local kids. Uh, Pastor Misael. Um, and Mel, who we just called El Jefe, the boss. 
I don't know who he was. I'm not sure he was part of the church. I never saw him at church. No. He just came from the community to volunteer to build, and the church family would, uh, the Parsons family would feed whoever yeah. showed up. Mm-hmm. You get a meal, um, and you serve, and you have a valuable part in the community. Um, and they're laying rebar across here to pour concrete, and up and down to pour concrete on the outside of the wall. Uh, pastor has given us directions um, and uh, as we build. Um, after big bricks, you lay little bricks. Okay, didn't know that. That's how you do it. Um, and so continue to build the walls up. It's leveled off with string all the way, and you're going to go all the way to the, pretty much the top of the rebar with the little bricks. And uh, uh, they're heavier than they look. Yeah. And uh, that's harder than it seems. Yeah. Mel, Mel's a El Jefe for a reason. He flew through an entire side of the house in the time it took me and one of the other pastors on the district to lay one meager little row, like right here. We tried so hard, and we, we couldn't get the rhythm, and Mel was like, slop, slop, like, slop, slop, lay, and it was, it was, it was majestic to watch. Um, and uh, that's how he earned the nickname El Jefe. So, um, our boys... Uh, Sifting the sand, because we mix cement by hand a lot. And so you had to sift the rocks out of the sand. And uh, this is Kelby from up north, part of our team, and uh, Caleb. And they are shoveling and sifting sand by hand so it can be mixed in the pit here behind. Um, that's a lot of work. I don't know if you guys have ever mixed sand by hand. But, um, that, yeah. You can jump in at any time, too. Oh, yeah, I'm a natural talker. No, so. no, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, these are um, some of our teens and some of the kids. You know, we took five teens, yeah. um, two from our church and then three from other places, and they worked hard. So um, when I say they played with the kids a lot, don't take that to mean as they didn't pull their weight in terms of hard labor they did. Um, but one of the great things about youth is they attract youth, and kids attract kids, and they built some lasting relationships. They all swapped emails and yeah. Facebooks and I don't know what. Uh, but I think there's some long-lasting friendships there. Um, and so this is, a, this is a group that we saw over and over and over again. And then El Jefe in the back, uh, who refused to come <coughs> the pictures. So, uh, this, um, is, this is the pastor's other daughter. This is yeah. Isayana. Um, and, uh, and she was adorable and stole my heart. So uh, I tried to take her with me and couldn't quite figure out how to smuggle her out uh, on the box. Oh. Um, <laughs> no, I think pastor would have appreciated that anyway. Uh, okay. So um, it's just a pile of the shoes that grow. Every um, pair came in a mochilla, a backpack, for the kids. And so they got not only a pair of shoes, but a backpack, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, this is the Tisma Church of the Nazarene Sunday morning service. Um, I stood in the back row, the furthest back row. And we made up about half the congregation, I think, that day. Yeah. Uh, and then all of the children, all on the front, they sang us a song. Uh, I don't know what song it was. It was beautiful. Yeah, it was great. Children's voices singing. Um, let's see. Okay, so here's a front view of the parsonage. Um, this was the day we left this job site. Um, and there's no front wall. Uh, the brick Mel single-handedly uh, laid all this brick. Uh, we, we helped him with like this portion here. Uh, but he... He's a master, and he, he laid all the brick, and then they have the wood to pour the concrete for the supports, and that's how it looked when we left it. Um, but he totally honored, honored, honored us in doing it. I mean, he asked right out of the gate, does anyone know how to do this? And everyone looked at 
They never laid cement. They never mixed it by hand. They, we never carried it. So none of us knew what we were doing, but he just was very respectful and honored us. And when you laid your, your wall, he went and he put yeah. his hand over it. And, yeah, good wall. Yeah. After after he corrected it a few times. Oh well, was, all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Level front to back and level side to side on those blocks. That's it. Uh, uh, challenging. Uh, but I learned a lot from him. So if we ever need to build a building like this, yeah. I think we can do it. Uh, so uh, um, let's see. What else do we have? Kenton. Okay, this is when we gave the shoes away. Um, Kenton uh, gave the first explanation to Tisma. We watched his masterful discussion on how to give shoes away. And what was interesting, and we struggled a little bit with this at first because um, we looked at the kids in Tisma, and it was a poor neighborhood, but they all had shoes. And we thought we came to give shoes. Like, they have shoes. They don't need shoes. So how do we do this, you know, like, without insulting anybody? And um, I know you want to share how Kenton... Well, what do you explain? He, a little history on him. He had been living in Africa and saw an incredible need for shoes for children there. So he came back and designed these shoes made out of recycled tires that grow five sizes in five years. And what he told us was, um, is that maybe, because we saw shoes on children's feet, he said, maybe it won't be for them, but they know someone that will need those shoes, and someone outside of someone that may know those, need those shoes. And he said that, um, of course, putting the shoes on the children's feet would be an opportunity and a photo op, but maybe that's not the way it was supposed to happen. Maybe we were just supposed to hand that bag out and let them take them. And some of those kids just hung on to them. It was like unbelievable that they were gonna get a pair of shoes. So anyhow, a little bit of story. Yeah, uh, this is this is the line of children yeah. waiting for shoes. I don't know how many kids there were. Oh, I, I, yeah, they, I, they grew. They, they, every, numbers yeah, grew. every day more kids, um, and uh, and so they were waiting for the shoes to be passed out, and then just a few shots of kids, you know. But that that's Edward. He's my buddy. Um, I tried <laughs> to take him with me too. He wouldn't come, uh, but uh, he got a pair of shoes, and um, we filled the church with red bags full of shoes. And some of them will keep the shoes, and I think some of them are going to pass them on. Yeah, we, especially in this community. We set it up so it was equipping them to serve their own community, and we left a bunch of shoes with the pastor too to resource them uh, in future outreach opportunities. And um, you know, we got we got a chance to put some shoes on some kids there. And uh, there's Jose on again, who's super excited to just be present and dance with us. And, uh, we did a VBS with the kids as well, um, and so that's Pastor Brad from uh, Wasilla Lake Church in Nazarene. Um, and he's teaching the kids the gospel through the gospel beads on a bracelet. And so uh, he did it in Spanish and, and helped them along, and they're doing their craft there. And uh, oh, this is what we were building. Um, you want to tell the story about lunch that day? Do you remember? Or do you want me to? About lunch. We ate their lunch. You can tell the story. Okay. So um, the way we did was we would work, 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 work alongside of the Tisma crew. And then, um, because there was really limited space to make food, our two ladies who were in charge of our peanut butter and jelly sandwiches would go in the kitchen and they would, uh, you know, the, the little room there, and they would prepare the sandwiches and then we would eat. And then um, the uh, Parsonage family would make food for the work crew. And then they would eat. And so we got like a double rest, right? So, because they would keep working while we were eating. Oh, it made me feel a little lazy in yeah. a lot of ways. Um, 
And, uh, and one day, our, our, our guide, Anthony, um, he came out with a plate um, from the house with these, uh, it was like a tortilla with some fried cheese and sour cream and a little treat, you know, from uh, locally. And he was passing them out to us and we're eating and partaking of this little cheesy treat. Um, and then we take our lunch break and we eat our peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and we're just kind of waiting uh, for the work to start again. And the crew wasn't eating and we're like, come on guys. And so our Anthony was like, you guys start working. And Days moving along, chop chop, and what he found out was <clears throat> that little snack that we had was their lunch, um, and we ate all their food. Um, and they had to go to the grocery store, the little market down the street, and purchase more food, and come back and cook it. Um, needless to say, that kind of hurt all of us. <clears throat> we didn't find out till at the end of the day, because um, they never complained, they never made any mention of it. They just did what they needed to do and moved on. Um, and so <clears throat> while we were waiting uh, <clears throat> in this extended lunch hour period, we thought, well, we just finished filling in holes in the parsonage floor with dirt. And, uh, and we thought we should play soccer in there to tamp it all down and make it level. And so we played um, Nicaraguans versus Gringos. And, uh, and uh, the front door and the back door were the goals. And, uh, and we played soccer for an hour and a half. Oh, I mean, yeah. Um, and it was, it was a lot of fun uh, to watch our kids. And uh, I got to tell you, our footwork had nothing on their footwork, <laughs> nothing at all. They were quite skilled. Uh, and the dads really got into it. Yeah. The pastor, and I mean, they took it pretty darn seriously. Yeah, they so. did. Uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. Um, and uh, so uh, there's fitting more shoes in Tisma, uh, more teenagers in Tisma. Um, and I think. That's the last one. Oh, um, this is a kind of a blurry picture, but I just wanted to show you what a typical home might look like. Um, kind of, you know, basic walls. Um, I showed this picture to Addie, and she says it's broken. Why can't they have a not broken house? And all the houses, you know, to us might look broken. And it took a while for me to realize these are actually like. Middle income. I was going to say this is a, this is yeah this is a, a rather nice house, um, and uh, and so there was a, a culture adaption for us as we looked at uh, some of the houses around. Uh, again, uh, the parsonage build partway through, and um, oh, I bought I bought chalk and we drew all over the church. That was a lot of fun. Um, I drew I drew Pastor's son, the little boy Absalom, four years old. Um, I drew. Uh, his mom and his dad, and uh, and he looked at them. He was something else. Uh, uh, he looked at them and he said no, and he took his foot and he started stamping out my drawing. And then he got a handful of sand, put it on there, and rubbed it all. Up. No, 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 no. And then he went over and he drew. I drew stick figures, right? He drew banana people. Banana. I, I don't know. Uh, an egg. His people were totally different looking, and he drew his family. And he explained to me, this is his mom and this is his dad. Okay, so, uh, and he was so proud of his art, he drug his dad over to show. That's him at the end, um, drawing up the pictures, because I did it all wrong. Um, and uh, we got to go back and visit um, Tisma our very last day, um, after a week uh, apart from them. And so uh, we missed church that Sunday morning due to circumstances beyond our control. and. Uh, we didn't get to go to church that Sunday, and we were really sad about that, but 
we were surprised when our guide took us back to Tisma in the afternoon and they hosted a church service just for us again. And it was some of the best worship yes. we have ever had. Um, and we sang songs in English and Spanish at the same time. Um, and it was a glorious sound. Uh, and this is our picture afterwards before we left. Um, again, El Jefe in the background and, uh, and some of the kids in the back as they have continued to build that wall up. Um, and we just found a true, a true sense of community and family in the Tisma Church of the Nazarene. Um, and uh, we'll pray for them in a little bit. Um, more kids, Tisma, because we love them. Uh, me and Pastor Israel. And uh, okay, and then we moved away from Tisma. I love Caleb's face. I just <laughs> cut him off. All right. Um, okay, so after we left Tisma, we went to multiple locations to give shoes away. We weren't doing any more building projects. It was just drive somewhere, do a church service VBS style. Um, give away copious amounts of shoes. And so it was kind of in and out in, you know, four to five hours. Um, and uh, we had quite some experiences as well. So in all of those kinds of experiences of giving shoes away, what was that highlight or two for you? Oh, my goodness. The children, the children, the children. I mean, how could it not be? And even to get to those little villages, we were going up, I don't know how, we were in a van, and it was a dirt road that took us up, bump, 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 and, Get us to get us in there, and um, it was so humbling. I mean, that's the only word I can think of how humbling it was to be able to do that. And like I said before, to get on your hands and knees and put those shoes on those children's feet. Um, they were in flip flops, and I'm sure they were dressed for the day. They were. Anthony told us he wore. They wore their best shoes. They wore, which would be a 99 cent pair of flip flops that may or may not fit. Um, yeah. It, it was humbling. Uh, we met a missions team oh, yeah. starting a church of the yeah. Nazarene, so we pulled over and prayed for them. Um, and they're starting a church of the Nazarene right there in the corner, which is pretty cool. Um, we rode Nicaragua style everywhere we went. Uh, that was fun. That was yeah. A, a unique experience. Um, and uh, this is the is that sixth church of the Nazarene? Yes. Pastor Dennis's yeah. church? Sixth yeah. Church of the Nazarene in Leon. Yeah. Uh, and there were seven, not counting the mission starts that were beginning, uh, which I thought was really cool. That's their church, about the size of our church, uh, and about 50 degrees hotter. Yeah. Um, and uh, just some of the faces that we saw. Uh, another typical home, closed lines out. Can I back up to yeah. the church just one more time? Go back. Another mission that he had there um, was for women to sew. And so off to the side, do you have a picture of that? I might, yeah. I don't know if you, I'm jumping ahead of you. Yeah, no, I, there, I didn't know how we were gonna talk, so. Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah, it's in there somewhere, but. Anyhow, he, um, there was a little side building and old singers, not even singer sewing machines, the old black ones that, you know, pedal and stuff. And so anyhow, to earn money, they're teaching these women a trade, which was to sew. And when we were there that day, they were making aprons. They had gotten an order for a restaurant. And so they were in there, and it, it was a sweat house. I mean, it hot, hot, hot. But they were in there making aprons, and they were earning an income. And they were had a little training center where they could bring other women in to train them to use these sewing machines. And these were single moms. Single moms. And so they provided childcare for the, for the young kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, so the moms could learn a trade and then provide income for their family. Um, and then in addition to that ministry, uh, he, uh, Pastor Dennis um, works, 
founded, started, supplied the school uh, oh, yeah, yeah. with close to 800 right. kids. Uh -huh. um, and, uh, and they provided medical care for the kids, education, Christian education, um, counseling services, anything and everything these kids would need was provided through the school on what kind of budget? Like yeah. nothing. nothing. Um, and it was amazing to see what they did and how many kids they did it with for absolutely nothing. And so uh, we put shoes on a lot of kids. These are at the school. Um, and uh, just kid after kid. Something I learned though, um, these kids looked littler than I thought they were. And uh, Anthony and I were talking, I don't know if you heard this conversation. Um, like you look at the kids and you think, oh, that kid's, you know, um, four or five. And you'd find out they were seven or eight. And it's because for so long in their life, they didn't have enough nourishment, enough um, provisions. And so they looked a lot smaller than they were. Um, this kid looked about four, maybe three and a half, depending on the angle of the picture. Uh, and he was really close to six. And so um, it's kind of, you know, ugh. Um, and uh, more shoes, lots of shoes, so many shoes. Um, this. Was this, this wasn't Las Pinatas. I don't remember the name of the city. We went to so many. Get in the bus and go and give shoes yeah. away. And I couldn't remember all the cities. The BBS here again and more shoes and so many shoes and lost track of shoes and face painting. And um, uh, we gave out stuffed animals to kids uh, and they never had one before. And so you give them the choice of Beanie Babies and their eyes would just light up and they'd kind of filter through and they'd find the one, you know, the one that spoke to them and they would just clutch it, you know, which is the most precious thing for them. Um, and uh, we had, you ever play with a big, yeah, oh man, I don't know that they ever had, they had so much fun um, doing that. Little girl got a stuffed otter with Alaska on it. Um, she, was, she was super cute. Um, bare toes and, uh, oh, we're traveling home at that point. Uh, more shoes. I think this was. Oh, okay, yeah. it's no sound, so yeah. We can. No, um, it's just to you know kind of give a visual so you can talk over. Oh, I was gonna say I think this was the place where they were so poor, so so poor. But there was a family that had nothing, no place to live. So oh, yeah, I believe they set. took a a shack or a, a building in back. I mean, this is how generous they were and gave. There was a building in back, I don't know what it was, if it was a shack or whatever, but they, just a one room, but they gave it to the family so that they could have a home. I mean, it was dirt floor, bare bones, nothing, but they gave of what they had. Yeah. Which was amazing. Yeah, I think it was here. Yeah, uh, these kids, I just, you know, showing you a little video. Um, it was the simplest things that brought an immense amount of joy. Um, things that we take for granted on a daily basis that we wouldn't even think about. Like, if, honestly, um, this might entertain children in the U.S. for a short period of time at a BBS. This was our BBS. Um, and, out, I mean, hours. Hours of this. And, uh, and, oh yeah, it was really dusty. Um, and these kids loved it. And look, shoes that grow, shoes that grow, shoes that grow, shoes that grow, shoes that grow. I can't tell. She might be barefoot, maybe. And they're just they're just everywhere. Um, and uh, these kids just had an absolute blast doing absolutely simple things. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't necessarily the games, but it was the relationships. You know, yeah, we got to build relationships as you face painted. You got to 
pray for each I kid, give a blessing. Touched him and prayed on him. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and all the little boys got mustaches when I did face painting. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so, bigote. I would, uh, little boys would walk up and bigote. Yeah. And so, yeah. paint a big swirly mustache and they'd walk around a little prouder. You know, <laughs> and watches. They liked watches yeah. paint on their hand. The boys um, and the girls' boobs. Yeah, so that was a lot of fun. And, um, okay, so I'm going to pause here on this Pastor Dennis picture. Because um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share a little bit about him. Um, but is there anything that you wanna just share? Because um, we'll wrap up, and I'm gonna mm-hmm. share about I brought an apple because I wanted to share Dennis's story. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So. Um, okay. What surprised you? What surprised me? What surprised me was number one, uh, the children were malnourished. You didn't see sunken. I mean, they seemed to be in good health. And I don't know if that's because they had the rice and beans. And um, even when we went up to the poorest of poorest areas, and um, that surprised me. And uh, yeah, I guess there was a lot of surprises. I can't even put them all into words now that I think about it. And they still used the areas that we went, they still had horse and carts. I mean, and I'm not talking planks, they like had wood that they maybe got out of the jungle and made a cart out of it, and an old axle. And, but you saw a lot of pigs and chickens and horse and carts on the road. Actually, we killed a chicken. We um, did. Yeah, we ran one over. Wasn't our fault. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh. So the poverty level did surprise me, but yet there was such great joy and love there. So what in your life has changed going forward? Mm. <laughs> Everything. Um, I think it's a re-clicking of, you know, what we have. I mean, everyone in this room is a millionaire. Mm-hmm. You are a millionaire. Every single one of you are, compared to what, what these people have. And so, how can that not change you? Yeah, and the desire, my heart's desire to uh, do it again. I was going to say, that was my next question. Is, would you I go mean, back? Oh, in a heartbeat. Okay. And would you encourage others? Absolutely. Okay. I've always heard this. I always heard that if you go on a mission trip, it will change and you want to do it again. I get it now. I want to do it again. Yeah. Serving. Serve Christ and serve people. So um, I want to, this is Pastor Dennis. He's the one that runs the school and the sewing shop and a handful of other ministries that I've forgotten about because there were so many of yeah. them. Um, I don't know how he did it, honestly. Um, uh, running six Church of the Nazarene and everything else he did. This is Anthony. He was our translator and our, he was like our bodyguard and protector along the way. We're so thankful. Safe water, safe food. Safe water, safe food. Yeah. Uh, Could have gone different without Anthony. But um, Pastor Dennis, uh, we ate at his house in Leon um, for three or four nights in a row. And it was great just to fellowship with him and his family. Uh, Fantastic food. Um, And uh, we were asking him questions about his story. How'd you become a pastor? And How'd you get saved and, you know, tell us your story. Just, you know, that's what you ask people when you sit down in their homes. And um, He grew up really poor, um, dirt poor, the poorest of the poor. Um, and, uh, and I think it was a single mom situation, if I remember the story correctly. And um, as he was telling us his story, um, he shared a few things. One, that um, he was 10 years old before he owned a pair of shoes. And, uh, and so this is us showing him the shoe that grows and you can barely see it, but he's got this massive smile on his face because he's ministering to kids who 
maybe don't have a pair of shoes, are 10 years old like him and never once had a pair of shoes and he knows that that day we're gonna go take shoes to kids that were like him, we're gonna change their life because of the pair of shoes um, as an inroad for the gospel um, and, and just life change. And he was overjoyed uh, because of his personal story. But something else he shared with us, um, he was, he was, how old was he before he had an apple? He was over 10, yeah, if I remember. Over 10, over yeah. 10 years old. Um, he was so poor, they couldn't afford an apple growing up. And, um, and so he was telling us this story, and he said, you know, I was, I was older, you know, maybe a mid-teenager before he, he ever had an apple. He never know, he didn't know what he tasted like. Um, and as he works with these kids that don't have, um, every year they do Christmas boxes for the kids in their school, um, 800 some odd Christmas boxes that are filled with basic needs and gifts and stuff. And he puts an apple in every single box because he wants every kid to have that experience of biting into an apple because he didn't have it. Um, and I don't think I'll ever look at an apple the yeah. same way because I go to the grocery store and buy them by the bag full every week. Um, and it's an apple. I don't think anything about it. And there are kids that don't have some of the things that I take for granted on a daily basis. Um, and for some reason that story just resonated with me because he was the kid that had nothing. He was the kid we were going to minister to. Um, and what you should know, um, if you don't follow on Facebook, is over the course of, I'll tell you this story in a second, over the course of the two weeks we were there, um, and I don't know how many shoes we gave out, I stopped counting. Um, I thought it was over 700. Yeah, I, I, they, they flocked us and mobbed us and chaos and children and shoes, and they were going out so fast. Um, we would present the gospel. Um, Brad from Wasilla Lake Church of the Nazarene shared the gospel in Spanish to the kids. Um, and he talked about a free gift, and everybody likes to get gifts, and, um, but God gives us a free gift, and that's eternal life with him through Jesus. Um, and so on the heels of that, the local pastor of the church we were at would give the gospel call to the children. Um, and in every single church, kids would raise their hand and receive Christ for the first time. Mm-hmm. And over, over the course of a couple weeks, to the best of our counting, we saw about 40-some-odd kids give their heart to Christ. And what Brad doesn't know, but I was standing next to in Las Pinatas, this church, um, two ladies, two mothers gave their heart to Christ. Um, and, uh, and that's why we went. We went to see life change for the gospel. Um, and uh, you hinted at this story a little bit earlier. When we would give out the shoes, we would get one kid to come forward so we could demonstrate the shoes. This is how you put them on. Uh, this is how you fit them. Try them out, walk around, aren't they great? Okay, kids, let's give you your shoes. So, um, you know, Pastor Dennis here, um, this is Demas, he's uh, a pastor also, um, another story altogether, yeah. uh, Demas' story, and then myself, um, and we put shoes on this girl, her name's Novia, and she popped herself up on the table, um, and she had a pair of shoes over here that she was wearing, come to find out they were borrowed, they weren't hers, um, set her up on the table, and, and the whole while we were putting shoes on her, we were tickling her feet, and she was just laughing, and having this joyous time, and she jumped down, and the smile says everything, and she jumped down for the first moment on these shoes. She walked around, and she was all excited, and we're like, yay, you know, smiling in shoes, and we go about our business, and we give all the shoes away, um, and then we go home, and we're sharing that night, and Anthony, our guide, was telling us, you know, that girl that you put shoes on, you remember that smile that she had, and we're like, yeah, we got a picture of it, it's right here. Um, he goes, uh, single mother, her and her sister um, live in a shack just like you said, off the corner of the Church of the Nazarene. I can't, I can't even, the space that they were living in is probably about as wide right here and not as long as this stage. Uh, tiny, super tiny. No beds, dirt floor, 
shack. Um, three sides were solid, one side was like a plasticky tar paper, yeah. I don't know, like tar paper maybe. Um, they kind of flapped open. And, uh, and a, a roof that had huge vents in the side let stuff in. She didn't own shoes. And so this is the first time she's owned shoes that are her own. And that's why you see that smile. And I didn't know that until afterwards. That's the smile of these are my shoes. Now I can walk further. Now I can play harder. Now I can run. Now I can help provide for my family. And then her sister got a pair of shoes as well. And it, it's going to change their lives. Um, not just because of their feet, but because the gospel and the receipt of Christ as well. And so that was a significant moment for me um, to know after the fact what happened in this in this life. Um, and then uh, this is baptismal. Um, I watched a guy um, make these from a straight piece of metal that was really long that they cut themselves. Um, and uh, <clears throat> I watched him with just like this awe. Like, how he took straight metal and made it to the right dimensions to become this. And this one's a little wonky, which is why they let me keep it. Um, and, uh, and I watched and I watched and I watched. They took a piece of copper pipe and made their own little cutout uh, grooved metal tool to fit right over this pipe. So they made everything from scratch. Um, and I watched and I watched and I watched him work with this wood board and these set of nails. And finally, he got tired of me watching because I wasn't doing anything. I was just watching him. And he beckoned me to, it was Mel who taught Mel. me. Yeah. Uh, he beckoned me to come over and he moved over and he put metal in my hand and a pipe in my hand and he moved my hand with the motions. And he walked me through it physically and then he stepped next to me and he said, you do. And I'm all like, uh. So he made it look easy because to bend metal, you have to have muscle. And I was watching him just like doink, 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 and it was all done. And I get to go, you know, flex, and I'm like, oh, I have to actually like, go, you know? Um, and I want to show you how it's done because this is genius. The nails measure out 10 centimeters and 15 centimeters. And so where you put the pipe depends on whether you get a short side or a long side. Take 70 some out of those to build one piece of rebar structure. And you build it, you make sure it looks square, you drop it on the ground next to you and you start over. Over and over and over. And I don't know if you can tell the like the groove semicircle here um, is from not just the pipe, but if you weren't careful, your knuckles. And so I, I made, I. I worked on it for like four hours one day, and every single knuckle was bloodied by the end of the day, just scraping on the wood. Bloody, bloody, bloody knuckles. Um, and I just put this on loop so you, I mean, you get the idea uh, over and over and over again. And they did this for three weeks, um, and we were there for one week of it. Um, and I'll never forget why this was significant to me, and this, this is the story I'll close with. Um, First it was Mel who was doing this, and then there were these boys from the neighborhood that came in that were eight, nine, 10, 11 years old. Not part of the church, but you know, hey, what's going on in the neighborhood? This is going, let's participate. So Mel would teach the boys, and then he would go somewhere else, and this rebar station was captained by 11 and 10 year old boys, who when we came in, through broken English and broken Spanish, they taught us, um, 
how to tie the wire, cut the wire, feed the rebar through, how many pieces went, how far apart to space them. And nobody ever once hounded those boys to stay on job. And what was really interesting was the process of discipleship I saw in the building aspect. It wasn't even necessarily a spiritual thing. It was men are teaching boys, boys are then in charge, and men go off and do another thing. When someone new comes along, the boys teach the new people, and then the boys go learn a new trade, and they start working in that area. And then by the end of the week, I was teaching new boys off the street, Edward, my buddy, how to make this. And so when I left, I knew there was another guy who was able to do it. And I thought, this all started with Pastor Misael and the way he led his church and the way he led his volunteers. And I thought, this is a significant lesson to me in terms of discipleship. You always train someone to do something that you're doing, then you leave them to do it and they will train someone else to do it. And I think if that's how Tisma Church of the Nazarene is going to be on a spiritual front, that's really exciting for the Tisma community and the, uh, the Nazarene Church in Nicaragua because I saw such a great sense of pride in the way they do things and drive for excellence in the small things. And I can only imagine how they handle it with the Christ things. Um, and so that was uh, significant for me. I think that's all the pictures I got. Um, I want to pray for the Tisma Church of the Nazarene today. I want to pray for all of the kids that we put shoes on, all of the families that were um, touched by our, our presence. Um, and, uh, and then uh, while we are praying, um, I would like to take a special offering. Here's the problem that we ran into. We went down to Tisma, and we feel good about ourselves because we go down as white people with lots of money. Uh, we go to a poor district, and we bring some of our money with us, and we help with a project, and we leave two weeks later feeling good that we built some brick walls, right? But the reality is that parsonage is not finished. They are still living in that small room, um, and we ask them, you know, cost-wise, what's it going to take to get a roof and a floor that's not dirt. We're not even talking necessarily shutters on the window holes or doors on the doors. We're talking, and that's, that's common. I mean, it's common not to have uh, doors and windows. Um, we're talking just a not dirt floor and an angled roof with sheet metal, um, which is your common real, and you know, $3,000, $3,500 to finish it. Um, and we left Tisma going, they're not going to have a finished parsonage. How long is it going to take them to raise that money to do this? Three years. And I thought, I can't. My heart breaks for this pastor and his family. Two of his kids are adopted. They were abandoned at an orphanage. And he said, nope, we'll take them in. That little girl, Lisayana, that little precious girl, um, and the middle daughter uh, were both adopted sisters. Um, and his heart is so big. And he has no qualms staying in that little shack for, you know, however long he needs to. Um, and he turned down a parsonage in a different place so that he could go and stay and minister with these people. Um, and our whole team was shaken to the core because we worked hard, but it wasn't finished. And there's no other work and witness team going to finish it. It was us and we didn't finish it. And so what all of our churches are doing now is we've said we're going to go back and we'll take a love offering. And we're going to see if we can get them further along towards the roof. We want to move them in sooner rather than later. Um, and so what we want to do as we close in prayer, if I could have the ushers, whoever is available. Um, that I think the ushers disappeared, but um, Jeff, maybe. Um, oh, did they go to grab maybe the plates? Okay. Um, so they'll come out in a second. When they do, we'll pass the plates. And um, if the Lord has moved you um, to give, give as the Lord has moved you. If not... Just pray with us for this church um, and uh, 
I know there are other churches across the district that are going to be giving as well. Uh, and it is our hope and dream to, you know, in a few short months, be able to present to you the Parsonage family in Tisma with a roof over their heads and space to bring people into their home even more so than they already have. Um, and so if you would join me in prayer and uh, as the ushers come out, we can receive the offering. Lord, um, oh yeah, you wrecked my heart on this trip. I fell in love with the people of Nicaragua. I didn't think I would. Um, I wanted to go and feel good about my mission trip, that I helped people, and then come back and report how great we were to go and help. And you showed me my pride on this trip because I saw such humble service. I saw you in the people in Nicaragua. They didn't complain when we ate their lunch. Um, they didn't complain that they lived in houses that I wouldn't live in. They didn't complain that they had things, um, they didn't have things that we had. They didn't complain that there were bugs, that it was hot. And they did so much with nothing. I'd look at what they have and go, I don't know how we could do anything for you, Father. And they looked at what they had and they said, we can do everything with Jesus in our community. And I want that for me, Father. Um, thank you that I got to become friends with Pastor Miss Idol and his family. Thank you that I got to see you in the way that he served and loved and preached and led and sang and prayed. Thank you for the way that he has adopted children into his family, opened his home to uh, the entire church of the Nazarene down there, we would traipse in and out of his home. He had no privacy. I have privacy and I protect it. Lord, I pray that as we receive an offering today to bless him and his family and his church with a roof over their heads, um, that you would take what we give and that you would multiply it in a way that only you can. That you would do the same with the other churches that are going to take offerings here in the next week or two. Um, and that when the offering is sent down, I pray that it would not only provide a floor of basic concrete and a roof over their heads, but Lord, even maybe more. Uh, that they could have some nicer things for their life and their ministry. Maybe a sink in their home. Maybe, uh, maybe a shower in their home instead of outside. Maybe tile floor instead of poured slab concrete. I'm not asking for cars and wealth and all these kinds of things, Father. I'm asking that you would give them what they need and a little more to encourage them. That they would be able to reach more people for you because, Father, they are doing great things in that community. And not just in Tisma, but in Las Pinatas um, for Novia and her family. That you would enable them to save up enough money to build a small home of their own. Or the 40 kids that gave their heart to Christ, Father, and the churches that said, we commit to discipling them. They will not be led astray while they are with our church. I pray that you would hold them to that. Keep them in that love, Lord. I pray for the two moms that I saw I was standing next to. They didn't expect to give their hearts to you. The gospel was presented in their language and they responded 
And I pray that you would encourage their hearts as they shepherd their children and participate in their church. We're just one church, Lord. Church of the Nazarene exists everywhere. Church Baptist exists everywhere in the world. But we all worship you. We met Foursquare Church while we were serving. They were serving you as well through medical missions. Lord, we, we just serve one God. In your name, we go out and minister. And in your name, they minister to us as well. May you bless your church, Father, whether it's here or there. May you bless your pastors, whether they are here or there. May you bless your children, whether they are here or there. And Lord, I pray that we might get to meet again someday, whether it's on this side of heaven or we know it will be on the other side as well. For your glory in Nicaragua and your glory here, we give you all the praise and honor. And we pray this in your name. Amen. You ushers can take the offering. The worship team will come up. Lead us in some songs.